go ahead and turn there to Exodus. We, we are studying through the Ten Commandments, these most foundational commands that God gave to his people of slavery in Egypt. And this is the way he wanted them to live. This was the path to, to, to living in and through God in a way that pleases him and that would bring them uh, the greatest possible joy in God. And so we look now at the fourth commandment. We've looked at the first three. Have no other gods before the one true God. Make no graven images of the one true God, bringing him down to the level of creation. And then don't take, don't carry the Lord's name in vain. Don't act like God is worthless, although you call yourself a Christian or a person of God to have no effect on your life. Those were the first three commandments of the Ten Commandments. And we come now to the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 through 11. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. This is what God says to the people of Israel and to us. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want to ask before we even get to studying does just reading and hearing that command bother any of you? As a pastor, this is just one of the things I can't help but do, but it is to think, how, how are the people going to hear this passage? How are they going to hear this command from God and how might it strike them in the wrong way? And so here, here's what I thought of uh, this week of how this Sabbath command might strike you and kind of make you feel awkward about it. One way would be maybe you haven't studied this Sabbath command much before, and you've just read that you are supposed to stop working and remember the Sabbath on the seventh day, which is Saturday. That, that's what God's talking about there. The Sabbath uh, in, in the Hebrew uh, language is kind of a play on words. Uh, Sabbath uh, the, the, the word Sabbath uh, comes from the root for the word rest, Sabbat. But it is also the name of the seventh day of the week. What we call Saturday, they called Sabbath, but it had a double meaning. It was the, the, their Saturday, but it was also rest day by the very meaning of the word. And so this could strike you as odd that God within the Ten Commandments, these most foundational commands says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, do no work on the seventh day. And you say, huh, I don't obey that command. I, at the very least on Saturdays, do my, you know, Saturday chores as we called them growing up. Um, and, and come to think of it, I don't know of any of my fellow Christians or anyone at my church that obeys this command. And so this could cause you a little bit of trouble. 
We're, we're going to get there. Don't worry. I, I will address these things. Another way this uh, command may have bothered you is that you heard it and you got indignant, annoyed with it. You say, I am busy. I've got things to do. I've got a mortgage to pay. I got food to put on the table. I got extravagant vacations to take. So I need money. I need to be productive and profitable. I don't have time to take a day off every week to rest. And so now we are going to learn about this command that sounds an awful lot like a burden. Maybe that's how this commandment struck you and may, maybe that sort of you know sets you off uh, on a weird foot beginning this study and there may be some of you that you get a weird feeling because you don't really know what the sabbath is or what these verses are talking about so it's all hebrew to you instead of greek to you because this is written in hebrew it, you know it's, this is a different language to you and so you don't even know what we're talking about but i've got good news for you if you have any of those concerns we are going to let God's word that has the answer to all of life's troubles, all of life's questions, tell us, teach us about the Sabbath. And that's what we're going to set ourselves to today. We're going to let God correct any of our misunderstandings of this command. We're going to let God help us to love this command rather than be annoyed by it. And it is my prayer that God, through his word, through the study of this Sabbath command, will actually draw some of you into his family for the very first time by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I believe that can happen because God's word is powerful. And so even when we're talking about the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, I believe God can do all these things. But it will take the power of God. So let's go to God in prayer. Father God, you are glorious, you are beautiful beyond measure. We want to know you, we want to honor you, we want to worship you, and Lord, we want to enjoy you. And so would you help us to rightly understand this Sabbath command, Lord, this fourth commandment. Because God, we want to walk in the path of life that you have laid before us in your word. And again, Lord, help us to see Jesus on that path, to cling to him. All these things I pray in his name, amen. So, the Sabbath command, I would say, is a very misunderstood uh, command within the Ten Commandments. Uh, we see it today. Um, that there's uh, disagreement over the interpretation of this command. You have, of course, Seventh-day Adventists. That's Sabbath. You know, they, they observe the, the literal Sabbath. But even within uh, non-Adventists, you, you have Sabbatarians, those who uh, observe the Sabbath. Then you have others who say, no, this command, um, out of all of the ten, God no longer uh, you know, once. So really now we as Christians just have the nine commandments and that, that would basically be the way they interpret this. And so there's some disagreement, but th this is nothing new. Uh, this is nothing new uh, to have misunderstandings and disagreements about the Sabbath command. You remember in Jesus' day, <laughs> the Sabbath command was a big issue for Jesus. 
the Sabbath command was a big issue for Jesus because they didn't quite understand what it was God was demanding and, and, and saying they could not do on the Sabbath. And so what the, the Jews did, the religious elites did, is they made their own list of uh, requirements and prohibitions for the Sabbath, 39 of them, in fact, that basically meant you could do nothing on the Sabbath, and it became a great burden on the people rather than a blessing. And so Jesus comes in, and he says, you guys have got this all wrong. So he would heal on the Sabbath. He would heal someone of their disease, uh, free them from a demon, make a, a, a lame walk, the blind to see. These, these You can look at all these in God's word in, in the Gospels, and they would get angry at him and Jesus would say you hypocrites they had totally misunderstood this Sabbath command and at one time I just was reading through these and it blew my mind Jesus heals a lame man and so Jesus says take up your mat and go home you roll up this mat that you've been laying on you know for years and go home he rolls it up and the religious elites say you are not allowed to roll up your mat on the Sabbath I mean, that, that's just a clear misunderstanding of the heart behind this Sabbath law of God. And so what we need to do, what we need to do, if we're going to have any hope of applying the Sabbath command in our life today as Christians, we need to understand the purpose for it and what God wanted them to be doing to obey this Sabbath command for, for Israel, the nation of Israel, as they received this command and so I just want to go ahead and dive right into it. What, what is this Sabbath command all about? Why would God give it? Why, why a day of rest and remembrance? And so we'll start with what I see as the biggest and most important principle that the Sabbath was to accomplish. The Sabbath is for God's glory. If you have a bulletin, you can follow along there. These uh, main points are in there. But you, you don't have to. If it's helpful, you can do that. But this is what we'll see is that the Sabbath was for God's glory. It was given, it was commanded, it was included in the Ten Commandments for God's glory. And I want to explain, define my terms a little bit. When I say for God's glory, I don't mean to add to God's glory because God is already infinitely glorious. When I say for God's glory, I mean to put God's glory on display for the watching world. That, that's what it is to glorify God. It is to put God's infinite value, infinite worth, infinite beauty on display for the world to see. And that is what the Sabbath command was to accomplish. Now, there are many ways that I see that this uh, would happen, uh, not least of which would just be mere obedience. Uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about this too much, but to disobey someone when they give you a command brings dishonor, right, parents? <laughs> when, you, when you tell your child, don't do that in a public place, and they, they, they turn and they just do it anyway, and everyone saw it, you say, don't do that again, and they do it again, and then you say, give me that, and they say, no, and I mean, you've just been dishonored, you've been disrespected, but we know that the opposite is true as well. When, when the child is gladly submissive, it shows respect, it shows honor, it shows esteem to the one in authority. And so even if this Sabbath command was only to show the obedience of Israel, we don't know what this command's for, but we're going to obey anyways, that would be to God's glory. 
But there is more uh, to this Sabbath command that would be for the glory of God. And so I want to show you a couple of things here. So why would the Sabbath glorify God? First, they would be transformed by thinking about God. That is, the Israelites on the Sabbath day would be transformed into different, more godly, more God-reflecting people by thinking about God. And this was to happen on the Sabbath. Not that they couldn't think about God other days, but they were to think about God especially and intentionally on the Sabbath. It was probably pretty obvious when we read through the passage that God says, work for six days, but on the seventh day, you shall do no work, right? And so we kind of focus in on that part of the command, but that would be to miss actually the first part of the command. You see there, Exodus 20, verse 8 on, on the top, this, this is how the command starts. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Now, some versions will say observe the Sabbath, but that's actually not the best translation. God doesn't say keep the Sabbath. He says remember the Sabbath. This is something that happens in the mind. And actually, in the Hebrew language, this is more than we usually mean by the word remember. Uh, for In the Hebrew language, this meant more like to call to mind, to bring it to the forefront of your mind. We, we have words like to ponder, to meditate on, to think over. They were to be thinking on the Sabbath. I want to show you this, um, the way remember is used uh, earlier in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. It's a, this is when Israel's in their slavery. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery in Egypt and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So let me ask you, God hears the prayers of the people of Israel and then he remembers the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I mean, is God forgetful? I mean, does God forget things that he has promised in the past? No, God never forgets anything. He has all knowledge at all time. Nothing slips his mind. And so when this is speaking of God remembering, it cannot mean, it cannot mean him remembering something that he forgot. What it means is he calls to mind. He brings to the forefront of his mind this plight of Israel and the covenant he had made with their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it even says there, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So that this is again a mental activity. This word knew is, is, is just deep. It's sometimes uh, elsewhere in the Bible used uh, to speak of sexual intercourse. Like that's the type of intimate knowledge this is talking about of this situation. And this is used synonymously with what? The word remember. God remembered, God knew intimately, God called it to his mind, the forefront of his mind. And that is what the people of Israel would have heard when they heard this command, remember the Sabbath. There was a thinking that was to be taking place. I read one commentary that put it like this. Uh, I liked it. He said, uh, here, the word remember is less like 
remember to take your lunch to work, and more like remember your wedding anniversary. One requires almost no thought, while the other demands a great deal of thought and attention. <laughs> you know, you don't just remember, oh, cool, I have an anniversary coming up. No, you, you set your mind to it, don't we, husbands? We, we say, okay, what do I need to do? I need to get cars. I need to get flowers. I need to do something special, maybe make a, a, a reservation somewhere. You, you, you think about it, and you start to even think about, man, I am so thankful that I married this woman or this man, and I'm so thankful that God has put this person in my life. It's a different kind of remembering. And so we even have that in the English language, and it certainly was there uh, for, for the Israelites as well. So remember the Sabbath. This is a call to bring something to mind. But what? It says, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. So are they to just remember that there is a seventh day of the week? Remember Saturday. Like, that doesn't make sense. You know, like, that, that's obviously not what God is talking about there. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. To keep it holy means to set it apart for special use. That's what something that, that is holy is. It is different. It's set apart. But I think the obvious answer here, what we are to remember, what we are to set our minds on, to meditate on, is God. And we see support for that. There in verse 10, he says, The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Call to mind, think about, meditate on the Lord your God. So, so understand that they were not only to stop their labors, they were to stop their labors in order that they might think about God. And this would glorify God because what we think about is what captures our heart. When we think about the glory of God, his infinite power, his wisdom, his love, his compassion, his mercy on sinners like us, we cannot help but love him more. We cannot help but have our hearts be in awe of who he is. And it is those who meditate on, think on the glory of God who are most likely to proclaim his majesty to the world around him. It is those who are, are, are pondering how great God is that are most likely to put into practice living in light of the glory of God. And the world would see, the world would know. This is, we saw this in chapter 19, that they were to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. They were to be the people who helped the nations around them know the greatness of God and know how they could have a relationship with him. And so this is what this fourth commandment was about. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Do no work. But set your mind on God, and as you think on God, you will be transformed by him to reflect his glory, to put his glory on display. And, and one good example of what that might look like is actually kind of the second way I want to show you. They would display trust in a faithful God. They would display trust in a faithful God by stopping all their labors for one day Every seven days, that'd be about 52 days out of the year, 
they would not work. Now, I don't know how much you know about, uh, you know, ancient history, but this was not common. This was not normal for, for whole people to pause uh, every week. Now, it's not that uh, other nations uh, never had off days or celebration days, but it uh, certainly was not every week. And so what the other nations would see is a people who have set their minds on God, who trust God, even though they would not be productive or profitable on those days. Now, we live in a uh, productivity-obsessed culture. You know, like uh, if we're away from our computers, we have the computer and our phone. You know, we're, we, we leave work, we go home, we start doing uh, tasks. We, we live in this, that we just want to profit, we want to be productive. Uh, and while they may not have had so much of that type of culture, what they did have was a culture where you work by necessity, they could not just run to the store and, and grab half a cow. Like, you know, like they had to go out, slaughter the animal, process the meat, then cook it, uh, you know, just to, to have grains, to have any things. They would have to go out and gather it. And we even know at this time in Israel's history, they are out in the wilderness where there is not much, if any, grain. And so God had provided, you can see this in Exodus 16, God had provided for them miraculous bread called manna. And so what would happen with the manna, it's, it's interesting. What would happen with the manna is each day they would have to go out and gather it, gather what they and their, their family would need, but they could not keep it overnight. If they kept uh, any of this manna overnight, it would spoil and become infested with worms. So no longer do you have provision. You could only have one day's provision at a time. So Israel could not stock up on things except for on the Sabbath. God said on the sixth day, the day before the Sabbath, go out and gather a double portion and it will not be rotten. It will not be spoiled. It will not be infested with worms. And so there's kind of a double miracle of provision and protection going on on the Sabbath for them at this time. These people literally went out and gathered each day's meal Except for on the Sabbath, they, they wouldn't go out. And they had to trust that God would not only provide more of this miraculous bread, but that he would miraculously protect it and make it last through that Sabbath day. And so think about that in the eyes of the watching nations. These are a people who see that God is so faithful that they stop their work one day a week because they trust God to provide for them. They trust that God will continue working for them even when they have ceased from their work. And it would be an amazing testimony of the God who is faithful. And so again, they would glorify God. They would put God's glory on display by observing this Sabbath command. This is God's purpose behind the Sabbath. Now, you might say at this point, well, that kind of sounds selfish of God. <laughs> so he, he puts in his Ten Commandments that they have to stop working one day uh, a week, this seventh day a week, put themselves in harm's way. Maybe they'll run out of provision just to display his own glory. 
What a selfish God. What a mean, manipulative God. To think about God that way, to think about God's commands that way, is a huge misunderstanding of the way God has woven this world. Yes, God does command all of his commands for his glory, but God has, with all his infinite wisdom and love, woven this world in such a way that when we obey him, we not only display his glory, but it is also for our good. Please understand that. No matter how risky, no matter how painful even in the moment, to obey God will always be for your supreme good, no matter the momentary cost. And it is exactly that way for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for our good. Again, you say, well, how could it be for the good of Israel that being less productive, having less provisions would be for their good. Can I tell you all something? There are more important things in life than money. There are more important things in life than stuff. I know plenty of rich people who are entirely miserable. And that's how it is in our relationship uh, with God. I mean, you can kind of think of a marriage relationship. What makes for a good marriage? Is it the husband with the, the washboard abs and the supermodel wife? It, does that make for a good marriage? What about the, the, the husband and wife who have all the money? They have all the cars. They have the perfect house. They have all the things. They take the extravagant trips. Does that mean they will have a good marriage? No. Because there are more important things than, than looks and money and possessions and stuff. What makes for a good marriage is love and peace and harmony and mutual respect and understanding. That's the type of marriage that brings joy and hope for the future. And so it is with God. Even when we do something that seems uncomfortable to obey, we understand there are more important things that will make life satisfying because we are finding that satisfaction in God and what truly matters. And so we see this with the Sabbath command. I want to give you just two principles of how God gave this command, not only for his glory, but for our good. First, the Sabbath, Sabbath rest restores your body. Again, we see that in Exodus 29 and 10. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. It is interesting how long it takes for science to catch up with God. There are now thousands of studies that show what the effect of unending work has on the human body. It turns out we are finite. <laughs> it turns out we have limits. It turns out that if we push too hard for too long, we will start to fall apart, we'll break apart, we crash, our bodies 
deteriorate because of the unending work. But God didn't need uh, modern tests and, and all these things. He knew the way that he made us as humans. He did not make us to be gods. We are not like him. We are not like him that he is limitless in his power and energy. We need rest. And the Bible says that God knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. In other words, he said, it's saying God understands our limitations. And so God gave this command, not as a burden, but as a blessing to rest. You know, it's interesting. People can complain, oh, I've got to not work on a day. Think about this. Think about this. If you were working all day in the hot sun, your boss came up and said, you've been working hard. Go ahead and sit down for a while. Take a break. Here's a cold bottle of water. How about this? I'll do your work while you rest over there in the shade with that, that cold bottle of water. What person in their right mind would say, oh, that boss, he's making me stop my work. I, I know I'm tired. I know I've been working myself to death. I know that this water will be satisfying. I know that he will take care of the work that needs to get done because he's promised to do it. What a jerk. No one says that. No one would say by getting to take a rest from our labors that that boss is being a jerk. He's taking care of you. He's still, he's promised to still provide. And that is exactly what God has done with this Sabbath command. He's saying, you guys have been working hard. Take a break. Is that not a blessing? <laughs> this is a God who says, you rest I'll keep working, I'll keep providing, I will protect you, I will take care of you, I will give you everything you need, you go ahead and rest. Now a mean God, a selfish God would say, perform more, do more, do more for me. But that's not what God says. He says, take a break. You've been working hard, just rest, rest in me, I will provide. Do you see how that's for your good? It's for the restoration of your physical body that God created for you. But that's not all that God is blessing with this command. The only benefit that we would receive, Sabbath rest also restores your soul. You say, what are you talking about, your soul? Well, what your soul is, is that invisible inner part of you. It's immaterial, but it is the very core of who you are. It is eternal. It is a part of what God has created you to be. He has given you a body, but he has also given you a soul. And when your soul is not being regularly refreshed by God, it becomes unhealthy. It gets tired. It withers. And this is when you start feeling things like fear, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and anger. Now, there, there are sometimes physical reasons for those same symptoms, but very often even those are paired with soul symptoms. We might call someone a troubled soul. You've heard that, a troubled soul. 
That is a person who all of their circumstances are pretty good. Things are not that bad for them, and yet they're always troubled. They're fearful, they're anxious, they're angry. You'd say they, they should be happy, they should be joyful, they should be at peace, but they're a troubled soul. This is what happens when we as people relentlessly work, unending pressure to perform, busyness. Now it's not the work, it's not the busyness that, that hurts our soul. It's the fact that the work and the busyness and the pressure distracts us from the God who would revive our soul. This is when our soul begins to struggle, when our issues become bigger than our God. When there is that hole inside us and it doesn't get filled, that is when our soul becomes disturbed. That's when anxiety, fear, depression, anger, and all sorts of other things take over. But this is what the Sabbath was to restore. You remember how it, how it started with that word, remember, think on God, call to mind God. It is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And in it, he would not only rest their body and restore their body, he would also restore their soul as they looked to him. I just want to show you a couple of passages that I found. There are many more that, that are very good. Psalm 23, you know, one of the most famous passages uh, in the Bible, David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. That, that's kind of a submissive. He's the one who's leading me and guide me. He makes me, oh, sorry. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So he, he, he's not only my, my leader, my guide, he's my provider. I shall not want. I, I won't need anything. I don't have to worry about that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That's times of rest. That's times of refreshment. Then verse three, he restores my soul. When we recognize that God is our shepherd and when we set our minds intentionally on him as our shepherd, as our provider, as our caretaker, as our uh, everything, as our treasure, he restores our soul. Isaiah 57, 15, I love the way uh, God puts this. He says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God wants us to set our minds on him. We, we are all lowly. We're all hurting in some way because this life, because of the curse, it wears on us. Work wears on us. Pressures wear on us. Relationships wear on us. Fears wear on us. But when we set our minds on God, he revives, he restores our soul. And instead of the fears, anxieties, loneliness, depression, anger, it begins to be replaced with peace and hope and joy and satisfaction, not in the things of this world, but in God. Again, to use the marriage analogy, my life can be pretty chaotic and I'm all good if my marriage is good. 
I mean, it's just true, right? Like, we, we, you know, you can be like struggling, working hard, but if, if that relationship is, is good, you're just like, it's all right. We're in it together. We'll make it through this. And that's how it is with God. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter uh, the things that surround you or that are even within you. When you have God, you have a relationship with him. You're setting your mind on him. He restores your soul. You can keep going with joy and peace. This is the goodness of the Sabbath command. God is anything but selfish in giving to us. He says, you are going to obey this for my glory. And as you do it, you will find your supreme good. Now, we do need to discuss the elephant in the room. We have a command on the Sabbath, you shall do no work. The six days you shall do all your work. On the seventh, you shall not do any work. Why or should we? be observing the Sabbath on the Sabbath? Should we be having a once weekly day of rest that we set our minds on God? Do we need to follow the exact uh, laws and, and criteria that are given here and elsewhere in the Bible or we're being disobedient to this command? For that, we need to understand uh, kind of one final thing and this will push us through and give us a lot of the answers what God was doing in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a pointer, not the point. Sabbath rest was not the point of the Sabbath. Rather, it was pointing to a greater reality and a greater rest. And as we'll see here, here in just a moment, that greater reality is Jesus and that greater rest is salvation, forgiveness, and a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is what the Sabbath was pointing to. I want to show you this. I've got up on the screen uh, the last verse of this fourth commandment. It says, uh, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 1 as the first six days of creation. God creates all the world, the, the, the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And then uh, chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, uh, at the very beginning of it, we see God rests on the Sabbath day, blesses it, and makes it holy. But this verse brings up some pretty important and big questions for me. If God is, is all-powerful and never tires, never grows weary, then why does God rest on the seventh day? So we're going to walk through some questions and answers. Why does God rest on the seventh day? Our, our general answer to that would be, well, God wasn't resting because he was tired. He rested because he was setting a pattern for us because we do need rest. And I'd say, well, that's, that's true, that's true that God was setting a pattern because we would, uh, you know, need to glorify him and have that rest. But again, I have to ask, why? You say, well, it's, it's for his glory, right? The Sabbath is for his glory, like we said in point one. Let me just say, could God not have given some other command that would point to and display his glory just as well as this Sabbath command of rest and, 
and, and uh, you know, thinking on God. God, God could have said all sorts of things. He's, for thinking on God, he could have said, take two hours every day to, to think on me. That, that can be the, the fourth commandment. Or if he wants to show his trust, he can say, Israel never carry any weapons of any kind. And the nations would surely see, wow, they must have a strong God if they never carry weapons. God could have done that, but God didn't. That, that's not the commands God gave, but he could have done it in other ways. You say, okay, God could have glorified himself, shown his glory in other ways, different commandments, but what about people needing rest? We talked about it. We are finite. We're human. We need rest. And so that must be why God rested on the seventh day and gave us uh, this command. I mean, again, think about this though. God has just created the whole universe by the word of his power his infinite power, he could create things however he wanted to. For instance, the sun shines 24-7 and it never rests. God created it that way. It will eventually burn out, but you know, until then, it never rests. The moon is, is similar. The waters are similar. The waters never rest, as it were. God created them. They don't need rest and refreshment. Therefore, God could have created us as humans not needing rest. Would you say God could not create us without needing rest? I would say that would be heresy. God can do anything. God could have certainly created us not needing rest. So why did he create us needing rest and therefore set the pattern of giving us rest? My answer is the rest. The Sabbath, observing that Sabbath was not the point. It was pointing to a greater reality and a greater rest. So God, God did that in Genesis 2. He creates the, the world and he rests on the seventh day here in uh, Exodus 16. And now again in Exodus 20, he gives Israel the command to obey the Sabbath. And uh, a little over a thousand years go by of this observing the Sabbath. And God does something a little different. Jesus comes on the scene and he has some interesting things to say about the Sabbath and about rest. Mark chapter two, verse 28, Jesus says this, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Hmm, <laughs> that's a big statement. You're the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that even mean that you're the Lord of the Sabbath? You're the master, you're the ruler of the Sabbath. Well, we learn a little more from Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus says this of himself, come to me, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus didn't say, Hey, if you're tired, remember the Sabbath. He didn't say that. Jesus said, if you're tired, you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, come to me. Instead of remember the Sabbath, he says, come to me. And now we tie this in with the fact that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that helps us to see that Jesus is what the Sabbath was pointing to. He is that greater reality. He is that greater rest. 
We even see this in Hebrews chapter 4. If you want to study this more, I highly recommend reading Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. It will walk you through this whole idea. The end of chapter 3 and beginning of chapter 4 of Hebrews. He says, uh, in context, the author of Hebrews is speaking about the Sabbath and he's speaking about Jesus. He, by the way... Uh, in chapter 4, speaks twice of God's creating and then resting on the seventh day. So it's all tying it together. So speaking of the Sabbath and Jesus, he says, For we who have believed enter that rest. He's saying we who have believed in Jesus put our trust in the, the crucified, resurrected Savior Jesus. We who have believed in him have entered that Sabbath rest. What the Sabbath command was pointing to, Jesus was the reality. And rather than remembering the Sabbath, we come to him. This is what's going on with the Sabbath. This is why it's not a bad thing. It's fine if you, by the way, observe an actual Sabbath day. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Paul talks about it in Colossians 2 and Romans 14, that it's okay if you want to, You just don't have to because the reality is here of the Sabbath. It doesn't have to be the seventh day. It doesn't have to be in these exact patterns that were given to the Israelites. And so I just want to make this as practical as possible. How do you apply this fourth command to remember the Sabbath? Because it's a command. It's there. It's still important. The first thing I would say this, to remember the Sabbath, to obey this fourth commandment that you should do is trust in Jesus and enter his rest. Without that, you have missed entirely the point of this fourth commandment. I I, I get it. I remember my times of of disturbed soul when my, my soul was not being restored and refreshed by God, when my soul was not walking in a relationship with God, when my soul feared very much death and judgment, I remember those days. I wouldn't have said them out loud, but I remember the fear, the anxiety, the burden that was on my heart. But God commands you to enter his rest. He commands you to enter his rest, and we do that through Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you're feeling the burden uh, of your your soul being in distress now, it will only get worse after this life. Look at how Revelation 4, verses 11 through 13 put it. It's, It's got both of them. Speaking of those who don't trust in Jesus, it says, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest, day or night. It will only get worse. This restlessness, this labor, this burden, this torment of soul. But he says in verse 12 and 13, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So these are the ones who believed in Jesus and entered his rest, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. 
without Jesus, there is no rest. There is no Sabbath for your soul. And so if you want to obey this command, if you want to glorify God, if you want to receive the good, the blessing of this command, you have to come to Jesus and find rest for your soul in him. And I'll just explain what that means. It means believing that God the Son took on flesh in the person of Jesus, that he lived the perfect life that we could not, no matter how hard we tried, that he paid our soul-damning debt because of our sin on the cross that we could never pay no matter how hard we worked or labored. And in the resurrection, he defeated our foes, Satan, sin, and death, the foes we could never defeat no matter how hard we fought. And Jesus says, believe in me and enter my rest. You receive that forgiveness of sins. You receive new life. You receive relationship with God and you receive Rest both here, right now, and for eternity. A, a greater, a far greater uh, version of this rest for eternity. But you say, okay, I've already trusted in Jesus. I've, I've, I've kept that part of the Sabbath, but does that mean I just totally ignore any principles? I'll just give you this. At the very least, you should set your mind on Jesus. You, you, should, you should take time to set your mind on Jesus. And, and I don't know exactly what that should look like for you, but I'll tell you, if you, if you talk to God about it, if you, you study his word, if you talk to fellow Christians about it, talk to your family about it, certainly, you can figure out what this Sabbath rest, what this rest from your labors and setting your mind on Christ should look like. Because I can tell you, your soul will still only receive and not receive, will only experience, that's the word I was looking for, your soul will only experience that rest in Jesus insofar as you are looking to Jesus, setting your mind, setting your eyes on Jesus. And so what, what does that require of you? I don't know. I don't know your situation. Does that mean that you should take one day every week to set it aside. Maybe it's Sunday. You say, well, I come in, I'm, I'm not working and I get to hear from God's word and the rest of the day, I don't really have to go into work. So maybe that will be my day of, of rest, of, of practicing the Sabbath and stopping my labors and setting my mind on Christ to be refreshed both in body and in soul. Maybe that's what you need to do. And But there may be even more there. Not all times that we're not working are as restful as others. And, and so you just got to think about it. You gotta, I'm not setting laws here. I'm not uh, doing what the Pharisees did, making up uh, demands that God didn't command. I, I don't know. Like, but you got to figure out, are sports a part of my Sabbath rest? Does that fuel my heart with the glory of Jesus? Does Netflix binging fuel my heart with the glory of Jesus? Does going out with friends or what, does that fuel my heart? With the, I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's something you have to deal with with God because he will guide you. He wants you to obey. He wants you to live for his glory and he wants your good. And so that's something that, that we can all be in together. We can talk about it, you know, in our small groups or, uh, you know, in the, faith, the, the fellowship next Sunday. You know, what does it look like to set our minds in Christ even as we rest from our labors so that our bodies are restored as well as our souls? This 
is the Sabbath command. It was for God's glory. It's for our good. And it's been pointing to true rest all along in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for this Sabbath command. It might have bothered some of us at the beginning. But Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you that you give us opportunities to display your supreme glory and worth to those around us. We thank you that you have graciously given opportunities to rest and restore our our bodies as well as our souls in you. And we thank you most of all for who the Sabbath has always been pointing to. It's been pointing to Jesus who paid our sin debt and defeated our enemies. Jesus, who allows us to enter his rest by faith. And Jesus, who will spend eternity making sure that we find our rest and fullness of satisfaction in him. Oh Lord, help us to obey this command in the ways that you guide us to. And Lord, if there are any who have not entered even taken this first step of entering the rest that Jesus Christ offers and Jesus Christ alone offers, Lord, would you help them to see their need, to feel that burden in their soul and to see Jesus as the one who can relieve that burden and give them life. Help them to turn from their selfishness and sin and to Jesus Christ find their satisfaction and salvation in him. Lord, we pray these things in the name of him who is Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. Amen.